Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. I'm Chris Solomon, joined today by now what is now web.com tour player. Next year will be a PGA tour player. He's made several appearances on the PGA tour thus far. Was formerly the number one ranked amateur in the world, six-time NCAA winner, ACC Player of the Year as a junior and a senior. I can keep going, man, but uh, your name is long enough as it is. I think I should just go with that. Ollie Schneider, Johns, welcome to the pod. What's going on, man? What's up? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. First question is, uh, I got to know, how, how annoying is it to have to repeatedly spell out your name whenever you, you call like a bank or airline or anything and have to give your account information? Yeah, it's brutal. I actually had to do it this morning. I left some belts in my hotel last week and had to call the hotel to have them ship it. And it's every time they they think I'm done when I when I put the R at the end of Schneider, and then I say J A N S, and they think it's another. They're totally confused. So it gets old, but it's yeah, it's funny. You got. I'm sure you're at least somewhat used to it at this point. But uh, oh yeah. Usually I would start with a background, but I also usually do some kind of a recap of a major event the Monday after it. Uh, the Olympics was close enough to a major event, and I saw you said a couple things on Twitter about it, so I figured we'd, uh, we'd debrief briefly on the, uh, on the Olympics. But I saw you tweeted last night, you said, Olympic golf on the wish list for me, and I hope anyone else who gets the chance in the future to rep their country on the world stage. So I think it's safe to say the Olympic competition registered for you. Did it... Did it hit you harder than you thought it would, or what, what was the motivation behind saying that last night? Yeah, definitely think it hit hit me a little harder than I thought it would. Just just got to watch it yesterday and to watch two superstar, you know, big time players coming down to the end have a chance to win gold, and you could just see how much it mattered to them. And also, Kuter's run was pretty inspirational, and it was I thought an amazing. It, it felt different than watching anything else because you know they're not playing for money. They're playing for pride in their country. And, uh, anytime you can represent your country is an incredible feeling, and especially on the world stage in the Olympics. I mean, it just felt like it felt like nothing, nothing else you could just watching. It felt like something you couldn't compare to a major or a Ryder Cup, and you know it was in its own category. And I've I think it's so such a special opportunity that. Um, you can't pass up on if you get the chance, but it was really neat watching, getting to watch uh, Stenson and Rose battle it out at the end, and it was a very worthy winner in Justin Rose. I think there's been too much focus on the guys that weren't there. Even throughout the week, they were mentioning it, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I think it's it's interesting to ask a player like you to say to ask, like, do you at least understand why the guys that passed on the event did, or do, are you looking at it kind of like, wow, it's pretty shocking that they did that? I, I definitely do understand why they didn't. Um, I think they probably regret it now because the players, you know, said so much about it being, you know, one of their greatest experiences ever. And you watch it on TV and you could see how much it mattered to them. And it seemed like a bit, they had an incredible week. Um, even the guys who didn't play their best felt like they had one of the best experiences they've ever had. And um, I think they probably regret it now. But I think before, you know, that would be a tough decision for a lot of those guys because of the safety concerns and because of where it is, just being in Rio. If it were anywhere else, I think it would have made a big difference. Um, but I understand, but I, I bet they get, they regret it now. So you think it's going to be full participation in Tokyo in 2020? I would I would hope so, and I would think so, yes. I think, uh, I think that would be on everyone's wish list now after uh after this this year you know the the reviews from the players and from watching it yeah okay so i know you just it's only been one instance of it um but i want to ask you know as a player where would you rank it let's say you could you could pick an event that you were going to win and i want to run through a few events and i want you to say whether or not you'd rather win that event or the olympic gold so if it came down to it if the masters or the olympic gold which would you prefer 
That's definitely the Masters. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to go in kind of order here, so I want to see yeah, what the line is. That's here. the ultimate. The Masters is the ultimate. Okay. I, I, th- I figured that was a safe one to start with, but uh, <laughs> U.S. Open. Uh, U.S. Open. Open Championship. Open Championship. PGA Championship. Uh, PGA Championship. So any of the majors, okay. I think, are going to be top of the list still. I figured Until, that was, yeah. Yeah, I would say that that would be the case for most players, I would think, just because of the history there. This one's a little trickier because it's team event, but being on a winning Ryder Cup team. Probably a winning Ryder Cup team would probably uh, trump the Olympics still. I don't know. It's hard to compare. Like Henrik Stenson was saying after, it's hard to really compare to 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 the others i think both are incredible but just all the history at the Ryder cup and how that's been a dream for so long i think uh and getting to play on the junior Ryder cup team and witness a Ryder cup firsthand getting to watch it when i was 16 i think just because of all those factors i would pick the Ryder cup okay uh players championship probably would still pick the players championship memorial um this is probably where the, it starts to get close okay. because the players is in another league, but then it comes down to a big PGA Tour event or the Olympics. I think the Olympics is only once every four years and such a unique thing, and I think it's going to be a big deal. So I'd probably go with the Olympic gold over Memorial. Right. That's where it would be the cutoff right there. All right. I'm from Dublin, Ohio, so that hurts a little, but I do understand it. But... <laughs> It'd be close, though. Right. Very, very close. What about WGC? WGC is in the Players' Championship category, I'd okay. say. I'd pick that. Okay. Interesting. All right. I think we, we can see where, where the line is drawn there. Um, regarding the format of the Olympics, what was your reaction when you found out what the, what the format was? Um, do you think it's a good one, or what, would you rather see them change up the format for 2020, both as a, as a professional player and as a golf fan? Um, you know, I think it's a, I think it it worked out to be a pretty good format, but it definitely takes, you know, that means on Sunday, there's really only going to be a handful of players that matter at all. And then it kind of, it's kind of a weird thing that you could finish fourth place and it just doesn't do anything for you. So I could see them maybe making it more team and having it be, you know, a, uh, more of a USA as a group getting a medal or, Great Britain as a group getting a medal rather than an individual, but I don't know. I don't know. I think it, I kind of like how it worked out, but um, I'm not sure how they would do it with a team. I think it's definitely something they should consider, though. What did you, how much of the event did you actually get to watch? I watched the whole thing on Sunday. Okay. What did you think of the course from what you could tell on TV? It looked really cool. Um, I thought it looked like it was in immaculate shape. And I uh, thought the greens were good, seemed like to be a great speed and firmness. And there was, you know, some good test off the tee. And it looked like it, you had to hit some big time shots. And uh, the scores, I thought, were perfect winning scores being, you know, just, you know, double, only three players got to double digits. I thought that was really good. Um, so I thought it was they did a great job with the course. Looked like it's hard to believe that the, they spent that much time building that course for scratch, and I know it becomes a public course in Rio now, but mm-hmm. it does it doesn't like it doesn't seem to me worth it. You know, four day. I mean, the women are going to play it as well, but then it just becomes this course that you know doesn't get regular play as from a professional standpoint. It seems like a lot of effort for the Olympics, but yeah. I, I do understand why they had to do it. Obviously, so yeah. Um, okay, well, that's enough on the Olympics. I think uh, I'm, I'm more interested, I think, in, in hearing about your background and uh, what you think of tour life so far. So um, just give us I, – I, I mentioned to you earlier, I know a lot of the answers to a lot of these questions, but uh, some listeners may not know. But uh, you played four years at Georgia Tech. Um, you came out and turned professional last summer. Am I saying that? After the Open Championship, correct? Right, yes. Um, where do you live full-time now? I live in Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, just north of Atlanta. So, do you? If you're not on tour, are you like 100 percent of the time home? Like, I travel enough. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say almost 100 um, percent, just because it's so crazy how much golf you know we're playing this time of year. But still, only my first year, and I'm kind of figuring that out. And I'm sure that'll be reasons for me to go other places on off weeks too for stuff. I know I'm going to New York for a couple of days after my next tournament, just little stuff like that. But I definitely want to be home as much as possible. And I also have a place in Jupiter, Florida. So I 
I kind of call that home too um, in the winter time, December, January. I go down there a lot. So you are third currently on the web tour money list. You have, you have essentially wrapped up your tour card for next year. Um, what are you? What are your plans to play for the for the fall playoff events? And is I guess at this point you only have to play for priority in the exemption system. Is that correct? And saying yes. Now I have to. Now I'm playing for basically my order in the shuffles yeah. and priority. So, and if you if I were to be if I were to win the playoff the four web.com playoff events if I were to be the the uh, highest earner in those you know then you then you lock up everything you don't have to worry about priority you're in the players championship and everything beside wgc and major so that's definitely the goal right now is to get geared up and ready for those playoffs um bigger money as well than the regular season uh and then i plan on playing um napa and vegas and mississippi mexico and mcladry in the fall so full schedule wow Getting right after it, not wasting any time. I like that. Um, so you won the Air Capital Classic uh, back in June, and you fin- you lost in a playoff at the Servantriga Championship. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, did you, in, in, in losing in that playoff, and apologies, I don't even know how you lost it, whether or not you lost to a birdie or not, but was there anything that you learned, I guess, in that playoff that, that helped you the second time around? Were you less nervous the second time around in a playoff? It was really... Um pretty cool to get get into the playoffs i actually i birdied the last hole in regulation and I, he he had he was in the group last group behind me and he had to birdie it to get to the playoffs so when i made i made about a five footer for birdie on the last hole and i thought i might have just did, done it so he he clutched up and made a birdie and forced a playoff and then uh, on the playoff hole i i hit it through the fairway and kind of struggled from there and he he hit two great shots and knocked on the green, and it was over before we even got to the green. Um, so that was you know a great experience getting to play on Sunday. I think I was in first or second place the entire round that day. I was right there all day, and just to play a full Sunday right there in the mix was a good experience, and I, I felt like I handled it really well and had a chance to win. And then. Um, I did not want to lose another playoff, that was for sure. So when I got into that next playoff, I felt the first playoff I was maybe a little um, a little bit nonchalant where it was almost like I, I was okay with whatever happened and I was going to, you know, it was a good week and it it was secured, secured me, you know, a lot of things getting to, just getting to the playoff gave me a nice start to the year. So I felt... I felt a little more relaxed in that first playoff, and I think it, it might have costed me because I wasn't as careful on the tee shot. So in the playoff in Wichita, I was like, I wanted to win that really bad, and um, it was cool to to make that birdie putt, and it felt amazing. Did it feel was the the tension and the nerves like was it as was it very different than what you experienced in NCAA tournaments? I know you've, you've won several NCAA tournaments. You've played high-level golf for basically your entire life. Was the feeling that much different coming in both of those playoffs compared to any previous event you'd ever played in? I would say probably a little different. Um, I think it is not any easier yeah. than it was um, in college playing in an NCAAs. Um, but a different, totally different, totally different thing. Um, you're definitely playing for your team. Uh, you feel like you're, you're there for your team also as an individual and your coach when it comes to college golf. But I also feel like I'm playing for my team um, now, the people who are helping me um, helping me get where I am today um, in professional golf. So it's kind of you just wanna you just wanna make them make them proud and give it your best, um, but there's it definitely feels a lot more individual out out here and everyone's on their own and nobody's really nobody's really uh, pulling for you as far as it is as much as it is when it's uh, in college golf it feels a lot more like you have a lot more people you know living and dying on your shot when it comes to NCAA so different but both extremely uh, 
important to me. So I um, have had a lot of experience with that. So that helped for sure. Okay. So I'm, I'm most curious, I think, in hearing about what your thoughts are on the qualification system for the PGA Tour. Um, basically, so the rules changed, I think, three or four years ago in how you become exempt for the tour. Um, Q School basically went away, and you can't go straight to the PGA Tour. Through Q School, you have to go to web.com. You attempted to go the route um, basically in the last two years, both of the last two years, right, of, of earning enough non-member FedEx Cup points to earn your card that way. Um, you had you had some success immediately when you turned pro last year. You had a couple top 25s in your first two starts. Uh, you were devastatingly close to making it into the web.com finals last year, missing out by a shot. Um, I, I, I know you've said somewhere in, in an interview where you said that you were really surprised how much you learned on the year on the web.com tour. So what what is your, what were your initial thoughts on the system and now that you've done a year on the web tour what uh what do you think any differently of it as far as the system goes i've always i've always thought and supported the idea of having to go through web.com first because i just don't think that you should be able to earn your pga tour card by making it just through q school because mm-hmm. it's just such a kind of a crapshoot q school i mean it's just like couple tournaments and then you can just earn your PGA Tour card. So I don't really like that you could do that before, just get to the PGA Tour um, through a couple little Q School events that you, you might get lucky with. So I think it makes a lot more sense to have to prove yourself throughout a year of golf on the web.com tour. Uh, as far as for me, getting the opportunity to – have those sponsor exemptions was really cool and I love that they do that for top players coming out of college and give them a chance to to go straight to the tour like John Rahm has and he's played incredible golf and earned it um I did not play very good golf I played a couple good tournaments when I turned pro right away but I made some cuts but I never really finished inside the top 30 this year um in my seven starts so I had a lot of improvement I needed to I needed to you know gain because I was you know I was okay but I definitely had a lot of room to grow I played some good golf in college but I had a lot of a lot of room for improvement for sure um you know what John Rahm's doing is amazing and he's completely earned his card through really good performances right out of college with his exemptions he's taking advantage of it but I've had this year on the web.com tour to that has benefited me so much. Just, just the travel and the seventy-two hole tournaments. That we play more golf our first year of professional golf than, I mean, probably four times more golf than we ever have. Three, maybe three or four times more than we ever have in college or junior golf. So, just doing doing that for a living, playing golf for a living, and having no school and figuring out how you go about your business um, is a lot. So having this year on the web to do that, I think just just helps me go into the my rookie year to a much better version of myself than I would have been if I went straight from college. So um, does it like does it shock you when something somebody I mean maybe not Speeth is the best example but guys like Speeth that are able to qualify with their seven starts and what Rom is doing is it now that you've gone through it do you look at them kind of like what what they're doing out there is really special is do you have that much more respect for it now that you you've, you've tried it yourself yeah you know it is very impressive um, but they might, they are probably in a lot better place with their golf game than I was heading into that time you know I didn't really have a great senior year. I had a great junior year. I had a pretty mediocre senior year. I was able to sneak into a first team All American, but I wasn't I wasn't sniffing player of the year like like those guys were coming out playing their best golf. So I was not playing my best golf at the time. Um, so it was definitely more challenging for me. I had a lot of things I needed to work on. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me that John Rahm or Spieth or those guys have done what they've done because they've they've come out playing their you know they're playing their best golf and Bryson you know he was playing playing some of his best golf of his life coming right out too so I I definitely was was not in the place with my game that they that they were but it's still very very impressive that they've uh, maintained and gotten better 
that quick and been able to compete. But uh, not. I know that good golf um, is good golf, and those guys were playing good golf in college right before and went straight out there and, and kept it going. I was not playing my best heading in. So are you I, – I was, I'm always curious, what, what is the actual process for uh, applying for sponsor exemptions? Do you have to or your agent or your, your team have to physically apply for them? Or what is that like for a, play, like a top player like you coming out of college? It's just emailing the tournament directors and, let you know, giving them – hopefully they know who you are and they know your resume. But you, you let them know, you know, that you're interested and would love – the opportunity to get a sponsor invite they get maybe a few every tournament the tournament director gets to the committee gets to pick a couple sponsor exemptions and you hope that what you've accomplished and the name you've created for yourself gives you a chance to be in that lineup of of options for them and it definitely helps when you have a great agent as well um, who has some pull and mark steinberg certainly helped me get some amazing starts this year, getting to play, you know, Honda Classic and Wells Fargo and Torrey Pines. I mean, I don't think I would have. I liked. I like to think I had a good resume, um, but I think that that didn't hurt as well to have Tiger's agent, you know, helping me out. <laughs> did you Did you have any trouble getting exemptions to any events in particular that you really wanted to play in? Um, a couple, but I'm. I was so thrilled with. What I was able to get. I mean, I was able to. I think I've played 12 tournaments on sponsor exemptions. That's just amazing um, for a kid coming out of college to get. I basically got every start I needed after I turned pro before the playoffs, which gave me the chance to make the web.com playoffs. Um, and I was really close. And then uh, I got seven amazing starts this year. Um, I mean, to get. I think I had played. I think I had gotten in more tournaments than a lot of guys who had their card. Um, just on sponsor exemption, so that was that was really uh, fortunate and an amazing opportunity and experience, and I've gained a lot from that. So, would you say your? I guess if you evaluate your, let's look at it separately. Your PGA Tour season and your web season this year. You had seven starts on the PGA Tour season. Um, did you play differently on 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 those two separate tours, or how would you evaluate your success on the PGA Tour versus your success on the Web Tour this year? Well, I played about five tournaments on the PGA Tour before the web season started, and I was uh, had a long way to go. I had a lot of things to get to get organized in my game, and I was working on things and trying to, and getting better and learning. But I really didn't find my stride, I would say, until I played. I kind of changed some things I was doing at um, the week of Torrey Pines, which was my fifth sponsor exemption and that was before the first web season event even had started so i was kind of going through my process a lot early and i kind of found my stride when i got to i made my first cut on i missed the first two cuts i played on the web and then the third event i started to kind of get in a little bit of a rhythm with what i was doing felt good about my game and that's kind of where i hit my hit my first stride where i I was making cuts and then contending, I think, maybe three or four times I contended in five tournaments. And then uh, that's kind of where I got I got going. And that the PGA Tour season was over at that point for me. I, I think I had the Honda Classic in, the, in Wells Fargo when I was starting to play good. I got to play those, and I ended up, I ended up missing the cut at both of those by one shot. Um, I felt like I was playing pretty good, but I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself and didn't play didn't play bad you know it's easy to miss the cuts out there on those courses so I didn't play bad but end up missing the cut by one at both of those but I was trending in the right direction I felt like about that time and then um I've played I've had two stretches on the web.com that have put me at where I am I've had about two five tournament stretches separately that have put me to number three on the money list and obviously the the two playoff events were big too did it help you to basically kind of have your pga tour season wrapped up from a distraction standpoint that help you focus on what you're doing on the web tour yeah i would say definitely because you look at some of the guys that have tried to balance it um and i just don't think that that's um 
that's a good recipe. As much as you want to play on the PGA Tour, uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's just hard because, you know, one, one special week can change everything. But guys like Jonathan Bird and, and you know, there's a couple others that have kind of tried to balance web.com and PGA Tour, and a lot of them are right on the edge on both tours. And that's just a hard place to be in. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think it helped me to be able to put the PGA Tour behind me, say, okay, the goal is to make it next year. So let's go take care of business on the web.com tour. And I think I just kind of bought into that process for me and um, try to get better every day, every week. And I have, and uh, I accomplished that, that goal of locking up my card for next year. Well, if we can super nerd out for a minute, I want to pick on something you just said there. You, you mentioned that you uh, went, were changing some stuff uh, for around Tory Pines, what is what's an example of something you were changing that week? And I, know, I you said it briefly. You said you went through. You started going. I started going through my process. So it sounds like you have a particular process in place for when you do want to make a change. I'm curious to hear about that. Just my process as far as how I go about practice and my training. Um, so I started training in the gym a lot harder and hitting less golf balls. I I knew I had a good idea of what I wanted to do with with my swing and how I wanted my body to work. So I spent a lot more time in the gym, a lot less time on the range and, uh, more time on my short game and putting and wedges and, um, really just pretty much restructured how I go about my practice and my training in the gym. And, uh, it's been working for me since Uh, I've gotten a lot, a lot stronger and my swings gotten better without having hit balls. Um, in my short game and putting have gotten better from having more time on those. So it's, uh, I basically changed the structure about how, what I do in the gym and with my practice. And I've, I've kind of evolved with that since then it's gotten to where it is now. Um, and it kind of always is fine tuning that, but that was kind of where it started. You're driving Johnny Miller crazy with his comments right now, by the way. But uh, was that was uh, was that something that you reacted to from what you saw out on the tour? Like, did you get did you just see players that were at a different fitness level than you were, or is that what what I guess what triggered that? Uh, I think that change. Um, I think just for me personally, I think everybody's different. There's plenty of players out there that don't touch a weight and do just fine. But I think for the if you look at all the the, the most athletic players that have big swings that hit it far that require a lot of good body mechanics and strength and flexibility. Um, you look at Jason Day and Rory and some of these and Dustin Johnson, some of these guys who I would compare myself to athletic wise and speed of a swing and just how important um, it is to have the strength in the right areas and and basically the balance and all the things you need to swing, swing your, swing your best. Um, and I, I just felt like I was hitting too many balls on the range. And I felt like if I got in the gym and spent more time getting, getting that, getting that better, I would try to be less perfect on the range and just let my trust my athleticism a little more. And also I, I work when I'm in the gym, you know, I'm not just throwing weight around. The main thing I'm doing is working on my technique. So when I'm in the gym, I'm working on technique. I'm not doing golf swing type exercises. I'm doing, you know, basic fundamental strength training. But I'm focused on my shoulders down and back, my chin in place, my my core activated, glutes fired, all that technique stuff. And that way, when I get when I hit balls, you know, I do it every day in the gym. So. I got all the right, everything firing the right way and, and, and good posture, and that helps my golf swing. Was there, uh, you've played with top players basically, you know, your whole amateur career. Um, was there anything different in your starts on the PGA Tour, guys you played with or things you saw out there that you were like, oh, that guy does this really differently than me and I, I don't have that or I need to get that? Or was there anything out there that just kind of stood out to you like, wow, I've never seen that in person until just now? Yeah, I mean, there's certain players that you watch that or that I've played with that I'm like, man, you know that they hit that shot a lot closer than I do. <laughs> so I mean, I played with I played with some really good players on tour, and the biggest thing I noticed was 
how good they were with their I felt like in college I stood out big time with my short game and then on the PGA Tour I saw that I was pretty average if that with my short game and then with my wedges I thought I was a good wedge player and now I realize that's my weakness compared to these guys on the PGA Tour who are shooting in the 60s every day because they they wedge it to five feet almost all the time so that was the part of the game that I thought I stood out in college, and then I got there, and then I was all, all the way at the bottom. So that that I've learned from watching guys and tried to ask them, you know, what they, how they work on it, what their systems are, what their wedge games, and um, that's been a big room for improvement area for me this year. How uh, It sounds like you do look into it, and how much do you look at stats, analytics, strokes gained, any of that? Do you, how does that work in your pro, within your team? Do, the, do people prepare that information for you, or how's that I, work? It's, it's impossible to get – I mean, it wouldn't be impossible, but it would take a lot of effort to get that stuff organized through web, from web.com. Yeah. Um, but I definitely pay attention to the PGA Tour stats, so next year will be really nice to have those done for me. And I think with all my play on the PGA Tour and my strokes gained, um, taking into consideration where my game was at the time, I was I was definitely at the bottom of the pack um, when it came to proximity to the hole with wedges. And I was shocked. I was shocked at that because I thought that was an area I didn't really have to worry about. I thought I was okay there. And that I was losing more shots because of errant tee shots, but... Really, I wasn't really giving away many shots off the tee. I was about, you know, maybe zero strokes gained off the tee, and I thought it would be, I would be hurting myself a little more there because I felt I was errant. But I was actually losing more shots with my wedges. So I definitely pay attention to, to the strokes gained and all those little stats. And it also helps you have a reality as to how how close you you should be hitting it. So after seeing how you stacked up, and I know you said you you didn't play, you didn't think you played great in your PGA Tour starts. Do you feel like uh, let's say let's take today from a year ago uh, yesterday uh, a year ago today? Do you feel like you are equipped from a physical standpoint and skill standpoint to be a consistent contender out there, or are you like, look, these are still the major holes in my game that I still need to improve on? Or and, and I mean, obviously you you are you know you'll be a rookie on the tour next year, so it's not. Um, nothing, yeah. nothing's guaranteed, but is there, is there something out there where you're like, man, I'm still, still have this big hole. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of room for improvement with me still. Um, I've gotten a lot more organized with my wedge game and I think I still have a lot of room for improvement with my wedges and, uh, just consistency with my ball striking as well. I think, I think when I'm playing good golf for me, that I can compete, no doubt, contend on the PGA Tour. But it's a matter of, for me to do it week in, week out, I still have I still have some fine-tuning to do there, for sure. I um, still have some things I can get better at. But I know at this point, to the level I've, I've, I've been able to get to, I know that if I'm playing good golf, for me, I'll definitely have chances to win next year on the PGA Tour, no doubt. When you uh, so you being the McCormick Medal win, uh, winner, you got into both of the Opens last year as an amateur. You finished tied for twelfth at the Open Championship last year. Um, what kind of very broad questions? I don't really know how else to ask it other than like, what did that feel like? I mean, that, for a major championship, for you to finish the top fifteen, a shot out of the top ten, uh, did, did you did you feel like were you kind of surprised by that, or you're like, no, this is this is what I, this is the player I am. This is what it's going to be like. Yeah, that was really cool. I definitely always envisioned myself having chances to win majors, and I definitely it's in my goal and belief that I'll definitely win, have chances to win majors uh, many times in my career. But it was surprising, you know, to happen that early to look at the leaderboard on the uh, as I was making the turn on Sunday, and I know I was off much earlier than the leaders, but I was in, I think, fourth place on the leaderboard when I made the turn on Sunday at the Open, and I knew that, wow, if I have a, I had a special special front nine, but if I have a special back nine, then I could have a chance, who knows, um, so that was pretty wild, I would say, in my second major to feel like I'm playing the back nine on Sunday with a legitimate chance to make something, make some noise, so that was pretty special 
for sure. Um, and just being at St. Andrews, um, it was just surreal, really, as an amateur. To finish my amateur career at St. Andrews with a chance like that on Sunday was uh, pretty surreal. But at the same time, I never really surprised myself. I always feel like I have that capability. Well, it didn't help you got shown up by two other amateurs, though, right? I mean, right. I, I forget, did you end up beating, or did Dunn finish ahead of you? I know his Sunday didn't go Dunn, very well. Dunn struggled, I think, the last day, but Jordan Jordan Niebergi had a great tournament. He finished sixth place. Yeah, that's incredible. Incredible. I uh, think St. Andrews and Lynx Golf uh, gave that gave that more of a possibility, maybe. Maybe. Um, just being... Uh, being the nature of that game, but a uh, pretty special week for the amateurs. How much how much experience do you have playing Lynx golf? I got to play um, Royal Melbourne in Australia, which is kind of Lynxy, but I, I also played on the, in the Scottish Open twice on the European Tour. I got some exemptions to play that. So I played the week before, and I played the year before I played my first true Lynx golf, Scottish Lynx golf, was a year prior at Royal Mel- or Royal um, Aberdeen, and then we played. I played the Scottish Open the week before, so I I'd played probably four or five times on Lynx golf tournaments on Lynx golf, and I had played other times just while I was out there. So I had a pretty good amount of experience with Lynx golf, and I I loved it, and it su- suited me at the time because I was hitting it hitting it very low at that time and it, I felt like I got really good at playing in the wind well I was I, I was very inexperienced with Link golf, Link's golf and I got to play St. Andrews like about a week after you guys did and I was just in complete shock at how much I had to change my game to get around that golf course uh, how like how are you guys for you guys is it that much of a change in approach like when you go over there to play like for me I had trouble compressing the ball against the ground. Like the ball just reacts differently off the club because the fairways are a little tighter, and um, I ended up not wanting to leave myself sixty-yard wedge shots because I couldn't nip it that way. Like, how much do you have to change your game for that kind of style of play? You have to change your strategy a bit, and you have to um, definitely. There's some shots that you have to practice that you don't normally ever hit in the states. Um, you have to keep the ball especially low and also know how it's going to react when it lands. Um, you have to, yeah, the wedges off the tight lies inside of 100 yards are a little different. You have to really clip those and shallow those out so you're not hitting the ground too hard and bouncing, um, getting the club to bounce off the ground for a sudden power boost. Um, there's there's like a, a few finesse things like that and skills you have to you have to have to play that kind of golf the best way, um, and you you do have to adjust a little bit to that. Did did had you played or did you have experience with the old course before the Open? No, not before the Open. I played it. I went over early and played it a few times. That was it. Did you? Because I mean, I, I think that there's a famous quote from Bobby Jones or something that said like, if you. Uh, if you've played the if you haven't played the old course ten times and you love it, you're lying or something like that. Like it takes time to really appreciate uh, the layout and the strategy that goes with it. I Did, can totally see that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. what your initial reaction to it? Were you not as much of a fan of it, or how how did your relationship with yeah. the old course go? Yeah, my initial reaction to it is I have no idea where to go. Yeah. Because you really don't have any idea where to hit it. Um, the thing I went back because I played in the Dunhill uh, on the European tour. I played in the Dunhill Lynx Championship about I think it was a year later, and uh, that was without any of the grandstands. The thing about the Open is they have so many TV towers and grandstands everywhere that, and the yardage book is so well done with pictures that you you get your targets and your target lines off the tee through the yardage book pictures of. TV towers and grandstands, and so when you're playing in the in the open, you know you, you know okay right edge of the bunker that you have no idea where it is normally is the right edge of that TV tower. So you you kind of know all right I gotta I gotta stay right of the right edge of the TV tower, and you have a general idea, but you still don't know because you don't know what's going to happen when it lands. It could kick left, right, or soft or hard. So it's bizarre, but. 
playing it with the grandstands is a hundred times better because hmm. at least you have an idea where the hell you're going. But when you're playing it without the grandstands, yeah, I would say it's kind of hard to to feel like you can can really like it, really like the course. Well, I'll say when I got to play it, the grandstands were still up, and I did have that yardage book you're talking okay, about. Good. It didn't help. It did not help me for the record. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I, it just to me, it's like it's only 7,200 yard course. I, I thought you guys would light it up, and the scores were low, but um, I just had so much more respect for it after playing it, being like. Now I see where the strategy comes in. Like you don't want to just reach for driver and leave yourself this eighty-yard shot that you can't stop over the bunker. And it totally depends on the pins there. Yep. Because when you play in the open, and they, it's like not even—it's like just a joke. The pins are just to completely change the hole. Um, so when I played the practice round with pins in the middle of the greens, it was like a chip and putt par three course. It was—it was, I mean, fifty-nine watch every time. But then you played in the open and for some reason it's just happens to be crazy wind when it's the open and the pins are crazy and then all of a sudden you know even par is like a brilliant round are there guys you seek out um to play practice rounds with uh, when you're on the pga tour in particular i mean anytime i get to play with a veteran or um someone i look up to how they go about their business i'd love to so uh, I got to play with Phil uh, at St Andrews in a practice round. I love to play with Justin Rose any chance I can get. He's an he's an amazing player and he's been really nice to me and helped me. Um, Phil was really nice and helped me navigate St Andrews in a practice round. That was really cool. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of players I'd like to get to play with. I played a lot with Jordan um, when I got to play the Open and the U.S. Open. I played practice rounds with with him at both of those. And that was pretty cool because he was having one of the best years in golf history, right. and I got to so I got to play practice rounds with him at two of those majors. Uh, yeah, any anybody I can I can learn from out there, I like to play. I played with Kucher a couple of practice rounds. Um, yeah, it's been really cool. I, I, if you thought that you were going to be able to mention playing a practice round with Phil, and I was just going to scoot right by it, you're wrong. So, what like what is uh, what were the stakes then? I mean, I, I I'm assuming there's there had to be so, some kind of game, right? So I was it was my last week as an amateur, so we didn't you know we didn't play for anything because I didn't have any money yet. I would have had I would have had to ask my mom for a hundred dollar bill, so. I, I couldn't do that. You couldn't do an <laughs> so, IOU or something? I mean, the I money was coming I, next I week. I maybe could have done an IOU, but I just I, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. We played we played 18 holes, actually. We played with Hunter Mahan as well. It was me, Phil, and Hunter. And it was a complete blast. And uh, I think because it was a major getting ready to play the Open, I think we were – it was, it was uh, a lot more focused on the course. We weren't really playing many games, but – it was uh, really cool, and maybe next time we play, we'll probably we'll probably throw up some cash. <laughs> I don't have Phil cash yet, but I'll, we'll play for something. Yeah, be careful with that one, because uh, yeah. <laughs> So how how long after you t- uh, turn pro does the sponsorship money hit the bank account? Like, what's the waiting period for that? Is it is it there by the time you landed back in the states? Um, I don't even know how quick it got. It was in there, but. Um, I think, you know, as soon as you turn pro, you sign your deal and it's going to be coming in at some point. So I think it, you know, pretty quick. What, uh, how much money do you bypass or give up by not wearing a hat? Well, I don't know if I should answer that. (laughs) I don't know if I should answer that. I'll just say I'm doing perfectly fine without the hat and Callaway has been extremely supportive. Gotcha. And if I do wear a hat, it has to be a Callaway hat. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, Callaway has been very supportive, and uh, I'm doing pretty good. So, do you or Robert Rock rock the uh, no pun intended rock the hatless look better? Who's got it? Who wears? Who has the better lettuce? I'll let I'll let the uh, I'll let the uh, people decide. That one. <laughs> All right, we'll do a. We'll I think I think we do we both do pretty good with it. Okay, I, I don't disagree. That's what. That's what. Uh, so, so I've, I've heard you say before that you know the brim of the hat is a bit of a distraction, uh, but I, I refuse to believe it's not just because you got the flowing locks going. I, I, I think it's a combo. <laughs> okay, at I'll least you'll admit, admit that. I'll, 
I'll admit that it's a, it might there might be a slight combo there. Okay, I'll let that go. That that works. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, but I mean, so in, like in team events, like the you played the Palmer Cup a couple times, right? As well, yeah. you have to you have to wear hats for that. Does it honestly? I mean, I, I know that it, it may sound ridiculous to some people, like that a hat can be distracting, or but there's certain things for golfers that just are minor distractions or minor things you can't. That just fit better. Like I, I can't swing a club without a glove. Like I, I, I just absolutely can't. So some, some right. things just bother different guys. Is it, is it really truly a difference maker for you, or is it just kind of like a, you know what? I just it don't really, like it. It really is. And okay. um, when I was twelve, when I quit baseball, I actually never wanted to wear a hat when I played baseball, and it wasn't because of how I feel like I look good in a hat. It's not. It's not about that. It's about whenever I could see the see the bill and I always like to wear the hat low whenever I, I'll wear it off the course all the time but when I play I can't I couldn't stand seeing the bill I'm kind of the same way with sunglasses a lot of people are like you should wear sunglasses you know protect your eyes but I can't do that either anytime I wear sunglasses it just doesn't not, everything doesn't look right to me and yeah. I can't I'm sure if I made a if I made an effort um if I made a big effort, I could certainly figure out how to wear a hat, but I haven't really wanted to change how I how how I am and how I look out there and how I feel. So definitely not my first year. I didn't want to have having that distraction. Um, I have a couple times at home put on a hat and tried to play, and it's just I, it's not comfortable. Doesn't work. Okay, that makes sense. That could hurt. That could affect your future Ryder Cup chances. I'm just saying. And do they do they make you wear a hat in the Ryder Cup? I don't know. Maybe, actually, maybe they'll make an exception. I saw a couple guys in the Olympics not wear a hat. That's true. That's true. I saw Sergio. He need, so he should have been wearing a hat. I think, but it, it wasn't the best look for him. But. Uh, I got a, few, a couple more questions. I'll let you go. Normally, I don't like asking players about other players, but I, there's two guys I do want to ask you about because uh, maybe not a lot of people have got to see play yet, and you've you've been around a lot on the web tour. But the first one's Wesley Bryan, uh, who just won his third Web.com tour event. And you had a pretty funny tweet the other day saying, "Like, congratulations! Now get the hell out of here! Like, get off this tour! Like, can you like? Did you know going into this season that he had that kind of game? Or is, I mean, I, what he's done is is insane to me. Like, yeah. what, what's the what's the conversation like on on the web tour amongst other guys about what he's doing? Yeah, no, I don't think he knew he had the game either <laughs> until this year. So nobody knew, nobody really knows until they do it that they, what their, I guess, you know, he had, he had, uh, going into Q school, I guess he, he, he even admits he didn't expect this year to happen. But um, I've got to play with him a good bit. He's a, he's very, uh, he's a very freed up, freed up player. He's, he plays very freely and fast and, he knows what he's doing. He's organized with how he practices, and he puts a lot of work in. And he's an amazing putter, and also hits great wedges and keeps it in play. I mean, he just does all the fundamentals so well. Yeah. And uh, it's not surprising that he can put up the scores he does. I mean, he knows exactly how far he's hitting every shot. He he's got he's he knows what he's doing. He's hits a lot of wedges close, and he makes a lot of putts. So he does all the, the basic things you need really well. Yeah, I actually heard some a friend of mine that's a little maybe a little too close to the situation. Who you, I think you may know. Actually, I had to talk him out of him putting him on the Ryder Cup team. As of this point, that's how hot he's been. <laughs> I thought he was joking at first, but I don't think he was. But uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, he's playing amazing. Yeah, too. it's hard to it's hard to argue that point. I think it, uh, the Ryder Cup might be a bit of a stretch. That's, yeah, there's a lot of good players out there. Right, exactly. That have right. proven themselves. Uh, second guy is a guy I've got a man crush on that uh, as is emerging. I would say this season. How much? How much does Brandon Hagee move it in person? I mean, is it is it as? Oh le- yeah. yeah. I'm really good friends with Brandon. He's a he he checks off all the boxes. That kid is really really good, um, and he works so hard, and he's just smart. He just gets it, uh, and he hits it so far. Yeah, he's he's just got one of those swings too, where it's just. It's technically sound, and he takes it back. He's got a long backswing, but it, it always stays on plane, and he just uncoils with tons of speed. So he he definitely moves it further than I do, I think. So he's he's one of the longest players I've ever played with. 
Okay. Well, then that, that makes me feel justified. I know Kyle Porter and I both have like we talk about him every time we do a podcast because we we think he's he's a he's a future star. So that, I'm glad you helped yeah, help validate I think, that. I think that's a safe bet. Okay. I may have to have him on the podcast as well before he gets to before other people oh, yeah. start claiming him as a, as a <laughs> own. So, um, what is I, I meant to ask this when we were talking about Euro um, Euro a couple of events you played on the Euro Tour? Did you ever consider going the route of like the Brooks Kepka route of playing Euro Tour events to make to qualify for the tour or were you pretty much uh it sounded like you you're a strong you're a strong supporter of the web tour what was your thought process there i got to play a few european tour events uh, i got to play in abu dhabi and scottish open a couple times the, the dunhill i've probably played maybe five or six european tour events and they were great but i really like america yeah so so i wanted to do it here um and i felt like that would be a pretty you know, that was really impressive what Brooks and Peter and some of those guys have done going over there. And Brooks has played incredible. I think he would he was going to make it no matter what he did. Um, yeah. But I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to do it over here. Yeah. Um, I like being in the States. There's something to be said about being home, you know, all the time. Yeah. So living abroad, I can yep. definitely relate to that. So I do understand yeah. that. But, um, all right, what is your go-to snack on the golf course? Like what do you, when you get hungry on the course, what do you go to? trail mix yeah. all kinds of different trail mixes um normally with almonds and dried fruit gotcha so you did you are like have your i remember when i was about your age i started to see the effects of like the college diet and it started to change my body a little bit have you become more <laughs> health conscious now that you play are playing professionally or have you always been very health conscious i would say i've had i go through state i've gone through stages where I am really health conscious, and then I had my years in college where I was totally not health conscious, really. Um, and I would say I'm probably pretty balanced now. I definitely eat a lot of healthy, healthy stuff, but I definitely am not afraid to eat pizza and have a few beers. Yeah. And yeah, splurge sometimes. Well, this is going to sound ridiculous, me saying this to a professional athlete, but keep good care of your body in the young ages. Just let me tell you that. In your th- once you hit, even at thirty, like your body just starts breaking down a little bit. So keep. Uh, All right, keep, I'll take notes. Kid, please take notes. I'm sure you've got a pen and paper here ready for my suggestions. So, uh, so please keep that up. But uh, hey, Ollie, thank you for the time, man. It's been almost an hour of your time, so I'll let you go. But uh, I really enjoyed talking to you about about what life is like as an up and coming player, and I have no doubt that. Uh, a lot of future successes are in store for you. So I'm glad I was able to get you before you got too big on us. And uh, best of luck with the remaining season. And uh, we'll definitely have to keep in touch. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was fun. You got it, man. Take care. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Yeah! Ronnie, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!